Um, uh, I thought we've been interviewing people and we had 30 minutes to like talk to people we're trying to hire. And I thought that went fast. That does that dragged <laughs> compared to how fast this is going. Um, so let's uh, talk a little bit. We haven't talked much about this second half of chapter one um, with the, the apostles uh, hanging out <laughs> in Jerusalem, um, you know, gathered in this upper room, um, you know, devoting themselves to uh, prayer, um, being of one mind. But then they go through this kind of, yeah, I, I, I'll label it strange, uh, process of replacing Judas. Um, so why was it necessary both to discuss Judas, and notice all the kind of details it gives us about Judas um, and what happened to him, um, and, and go through this process to choose a 12th. Because um, we're going to see apostles die in the book, and we don't see a process to replace them. Um, so one of the things we need to think of it, why at this moment is it necessary to have 12? Um, but two, why is it necessary at this moment for them as they're gathered together waiting for the coming of the Spirit to reflect upon Judas and go through this process of replacing him? Yeah, Ronnie. Yeah, and both of these scriptures are coming um, through psalms that particularly focus on um, the enemies of God. Like, that's the kind of common thread. Um, you know, what happens, you know, all those kind of, the way the psalms talk about, you know, this is what, you know, praying, this, do this to my enemies, or this is what, like, my enemies are doing this to me, um, but you, God, do this for me. So, they're common, the psalms themselves are kind of linked by this common um, theme of their songs that address um, the people who oppose, uh, you know, the enemies of God or the enemies of the people of God. Um, good. Why else? So, so they're clearly in the scriptures and they're thinking about what it means for as uh, Peter labels him here, um, you know, uh, Judas, um, for he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. So, you know, here's this guy who was one of the 12 who had a share in the ministry. Like he wasn't, you know, doing nothing. Like he was with them, he was seeing what they saw, he was doing the things they did, he had a share in the ministry, and yet he's not present in, in that room. And everybody knows, um, and, and I love how Luke gives us graphic detail, <laughs> everybody knows what happens to this guy. Um, like, you know, the, the gory detail, this is the guy whose guts end up spilling out you know, on this field that was bought with the money 
that would, um, he used for betraying Christ. And yuck. Um, uh, you know, so it's kind of this emphasis on this guy who is with us, but he's not in the room anymore. Yeah. Absolutely. So that there is a need for for a twelve for the inauguration of this new Israel. Just as there were twelve tribes, so these guys are have been told you're going to be, you know, reigning over the twelve tribes. So we need a twelfth, um, you know, and particularly a twelfth in place at the inauguration. Um, of this new entity, uh, you know, that's going to be um, announced by the, on the day of Pentecost. Um, so we've got to have that in place before Pentecost. Because, again, it's, uh, if you think about it, one, notice what the qualifications, like what are some of the qualifications they have for picking his replacement? Um, so one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. So it is a very limited subset of people who you know, are eligible for apostleship. One of these men must become with us a witness to the resurrection. So the focus on the, these 12 apostles were people who experienced the entirety of Jesus's earthly ministry, and people who have seen and witnessed the resurrection of Christ. Now, we can talk about, like, because we're going to have a 13th apostle with Paul later in the book, um, and we can talk about what that means, because Paul doesn't fit that first set of requirements. Like, he wasn't with them from the beginning, um, and, and we'll see that process in the book of Acts narrated. He, he does have an experience of the resurrection of Christ, so he fills the second part. Um, but two, I think eschatologically, there, it's, it's more about, uh, the 12 is more important about this redemptive historical moment and less about setting in place a continuing governing structure. Like, so it's, 12, it's important to have 12 for these historic theological uh, moments in redemptive history, but this isn't, um, it's not going to be part of the, the necessary organization of the church going forward, and we're going to see a different kind of organizational structure be put in place as we go through this, bat, this book with, you know, the apostles putting into place elders in, 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 in cities um, where the gospel goes forth. Um, so that's why I and, you know, we'll, we'll deal with that question maybe later, um, but I think for this moment, um, and for reasons that, um, you know, have already been say, stated, um, it's an important moment for fulfilling prophetically um, what Jesus has stated. For redemptive history, it's important to have these 12 apostles in place um, for what's going to happen next week in chapter 2, but organizationally, you know, we're going to see a different organization structure emerge as the church grows um, and grows beyond the ability of these 12 guys to be its day-to-day -day leaders. You know, we're going to see first this, this, this need for deacons 
And then as the, you know, the church is going global through this book, you know, there's going to be the need for, for elders and gatherings of elders um, in places all around, um, all around the world. Yeah, Jay. Yeah, and men and women, as Luke's emphasizing here. Like, notice all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Like, so, you know, as we think about it, it's, it's not just all his male followers are gathered together, but men and women who have been with Jesus, who saw his, and experienced his ministry, who were witnesses to the resurrection like, this is the core. Um, those are the core of this church that is going to, you know, once the Spirit comes, you know, explode in its witness. Um, but yeah, that it's, it's more than just these 12 guys. And again, as we go through the book, um, again, why I kind of started with that, well, is Acts of the Apostles the apt name? Because we're going to see a lot of people who aren't apostles um, doing things and doing great things to um, help spread and to be witnesses um, of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to see that spirit-infused witness uh, go throughout the earth. Um, what about the gory detail? Yeah, you know, why go into such gory detail about Judas? So I think we've got great, y'all answered did a great job of answering the question, like, why do we need the 12th guy? But why this lengthy reflection on Judas? Yeah, what happens? Yeah, what happens if you don't follow Jesus? Um, yeah, and that's going to be another theme, or what's going to happen to the people who oppose this church. Um, you know, we're going to see that uh, um, we can think about, uh, let's see, if I wrote the, I guess we've got a couple minutes, we can flip. Um, look at Acts 12, 23. So we're gonna, this is going to be the reason I wanted to, you know, it's not just because I'm focused on gory details, <laughs> um, you know, just uh, attracted to gore like some kind of horror movie. Um, it's actually anticipating a theme, and Teresa, you put your finger on the theme. What happens to those who are enemies of God or enemies of his church? So in chapter 12, um, uh, uh, we can go all, start in verse 20. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. So this is Herod Agrippa, um, uh, and he has just um, thrown... Um, Peter into prison prior to this. So he's someone who's been actively persecuting the church. Um, so, and they came to him with one accord, and having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, 
and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of God and not of a man. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. So, you know, kind of similarly going into the gory details of someone who set himself up in opposition to God. Um, you know, we'll see judgment fall swiftly on Ananias and Sapphira when, you know, they don't, uh, when they hold back a portion of the steel they sold, even though they said they gave the entire portion, like the judgment falls swiftly upon them. Um, and that's going to be a theme um, that, you know, people who are in opposition to the church, judgment is going to befall them. Um, and uh, to go back to these two prophecies um, or two uh, lines from the Psalms that Peter quoting, like most people, like reading those texts, if we went and looked at each of these Psalms in context, like Judas wouldn't be the thing that popped into our minds. Like, um, you know, lots of different things would pop into our minds. <laughs> um, it's like when you go to the doctor and he tells you, if you keep doing this, you will die. <laughs> Stop doing this. Like, that's, that's kind of the Psalms message, and Judas fits that. You keep putting yourself in opposition to God and his people. You know, you're going to get wiped off the face of the earth, and, the, you know, your field is going to become desolate, um, you know, this place of desolation. So it's not necessarily a specific prophecy regarding Judas. It's a specific prophecy regarding the enemies of God, which Judas showed himself to be, um, by his betrayal of Jesus. Um, but, and, and notice again, the emphasis on that this betrayal um, might have been um, unexpected for the disciples. Like it came as a shock to them as one of their number betrayed Jesus. But it wasn't a shock to God as Peter sees now. Um, you know, uh, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. Like, you know, this is all in accordance to divine plan. Um, and he's going to say the same thing, you know, in the next chapter. He meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Um, that's going to be a theme of, again, of, of Peter's Pentecost sermon. Yeah, Andre. I don't want to know about the intestines, Dad. <laughs> Yeah, that a doctor is going to, like, know <laughs> that his guts poured out. Um, uh, I'll end with this. Uh, again, just a quarter. Uh, 
Yeah. And when God says his enemies will be destroyed, it's, it's true. <laughs> and example one is, is Judas, whose guts poured out on the ground. Um, and I'll end this because he kind of has a literary illusion. The same word he uses for Judas's guts, it's going to be the same way he describes the spirit <laughs> in the next chapter, being poured out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, <laughs> I'll leave that graphic detail uh, for you to uh, chew on in the coming week as we uh, think about Pentecost next week. But let me close our time in prayer. Gracious God, we do thank you for the gift to us of your church that uh, you did not leave uh, your son without a witness on this earth but that you established this church um, on the foundation of the apostles, uh, men who were with him and saw him in life, men who fled uh, from him when he experienced death, but men who you restored um, and gave the gift of seeing the resurrected Christ um, and to see him ascend into heaven where he now sits at your right hand. And on the witness of these men that we still testify that we are a part of this story of Acts, that we are a part of this community of believers that we see established in this book, and that uh, we are still part of this mission of taking your gospel to the ends of the earth. So give us uh, a full measure of your spirit that we might be empowered to faithfully testify um, and to be witnesses of the life uh, that comes through Jesus Christ, the new life that he gives and only he gives, uh, even in the midst of a world that seeks to oppose us um, and, as we'll see in this book, um, persecute um, believers. Uh, help us to be faithful even to the end, even as Christ was faithful uh, on the cross, uh, drinking the bitter cup of your wrath to its dregs, um, and that we have life because of his faithfulness and help us to serve him who are being faithful even to the end as we expect and long for his coming again and the establishment of his kingdom for all eternity. And we uh, anticipate this even as we worship you in the coming hour. Help us worship in spirit and truth, we pray. Amen.